Welcome to the Social Impact Level Up podcast. This is where we blur the lines between business, nonprofit, and impact. Social entrepreneurs in our community share their stories of how they are changing the world and building a legacy of health, wealth, happiness, and wellness. I'm your host, Wendy V, along with my co-host, Rodrigo Bravo. Together, we're social entrepreneurs building a collective of impactful humans who are going to make this world a better place. We hope you'll join us. Here's today's episode. I saved this episode as the last bonus episode for season one because I just didn't feel like editing it, to be honest. It's a really painful and true conversation about how my story can inspire others to step out in their social entrepreneurship journey. I just have been really hesitant to tell you, my podcast listeners, about this part of the journey because it's been something that almost like an elephant in the room is here in our conversations and you hear it and you hear threads of the story, but you probably haven't heard the entire thing. So here you go. That's the bonus episode for this week. And I'm sure as you can tell, editing it has taken a lot, but it is here for you to learn from and to grow from and to see that um, following your passion and following your dreams and healing through traumatic work experiences is possible. And I wish you well and looking forward to more episodes in season two in the new year. So what we're talking about today is how do you go about setting up a social business or a business that supports a, an impact mission? And one of the reasons why you would want to do that is because, you know, we have the ability in the vehicle to, as entrepreneurs, use money in the way that we see is the best way to do that. So whether that's through donations or profit, we can take those donations and that profit and turn it into good, right? We can go and have an impact mission and make sure that we're actually making social change. So this is a concept that I think a lot of people traditionally in business particularly, have paid attention to profit and much less to the impact end of their business. And we don't usually describe our businesses as social businesses, even though a lot of us help others. That's essentially what we do as coaches or consultants. So I'm here to tell you, you are free to add a social impact mission to your business if you already have one, and you are free to start a nonprofit or a business that is focused around social impact if you are thinking about it. So that's what we're talking about today as I said before, this is not a one-way conversation, so please make sure you're adding any questions you have into the chat. You're sharing the room, and I'm going to welcome Eric and Alessandra really quickly, let you guys introduce yourselves, and then we'll get started. So Eric, do you want to say hi really quickly, introduce yourself, and um, yeah, just sure, sure. what you're and looking for really in this conversation? Yeah, it's really great to be here, Wendy, and I, I think it's the first room where you are the main moderator, so I'm really proud to be here. Uh, my name is Eric, and I help social media beginners to start attracting customers. That was the really short version. Thanks. I love it. I love it. And it's so wonderful to have you here. And thank you for joining me. Yes, this is my first room in this club. And I love this club. I come in the rooms all the time to learn from Alessandra, who's here with us. So Alessandra, welcome. Hey, I know you're in Cambridge. How are you today? And um, do you want to share anything? Of course. Thank you so much, Wendy. Well, first of all, congratulations for your first room on this club. First room, but I, 
I know that it's going to be is the first of a long series. And you can see it already going great. Like a lot of people joining want to listen about uh, why you left your 95 um, to help people. Uh, in my case, I'm going to be really brief. I'm the founder of the, of the club that you can see here at the top of the room, the Skate Club. The reason why I created was because I wanted to create a community of people who want to quit their full-time job because they're not happy with that. And they want to create a full-time job around passion or, uh, or, um, or something that they enjoy doing. So this is the community that you want to join in case you want to become a full-time entrepreneur, in case you want to make your passion your, your, uh, your career, and in case you want to get clients and you want to help people in the niche that you choose. So feel free to become a member, guys. Click on the title at the top of this room, become a member, super simple to do. We run a lot of rooms every day. I started this club running rooms by myself once per day, but now we have a big family of uh, moderators that are creating their own rooms and I love it. I love it. So it's a club that you're gonna enjoy absolutely, guys. Become a member and uh, the mic back to you, Wendy. Oh, and I love it and I see, um... Tilt your teacup. You're in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm in Maryland as well. So nice to see you, neighbor. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Alessandro, for that. I love the, the purpose of this club. And before I even thought of um, joining Alessandro's program, I was thinking of, well, what, what clubs do I want to be part of and what clubs do I want to share what I know with their community? And this community is one that I found very welcoming and very honest and very genuine. And although people share a lot of things that are resources in this community, it's not done in a salesy way. And that was really, really important to me because I'm a values-driven entrepreneur, which means that my business is focused around the values that I want to espouse as I work with other people, whether it's clients, collaborators, anyone, it does not matter. They must come from a place of integrity. So the reason why I chose Alessandro's Club as a club to reach out to and say, hey, I think I want to be part of this is because I saw that integrity in these spaces. And I saw the, the real genuine want and desire to share their stories about why those of us have left our nine to fives have done so to inspire other people to do it as well. And I think that that's what's important in this conversation is that it's all about inspiration. It's all about us sharing our stories and sharing our resources. And so I want to make sure that if I pin the link for this room to the top so that you guys can share it just pointed wanted to make sure that you guys knew that this is what I want you to share right now with whoever is in your social circle so whether that is going through a text whether that is going through your social media just take a second right now off of clubhouse and try to get some folks to hear this conversation because it's really really important for us to be talking about these things so the next thing I'm going to tell you about is my actual story now it starts really far back in 2018, which means that it's before the pandemic, it's before we were you know, thinking about the great resignation, before people were leaving their nine to five in droves. I knew that I wanted to be something else, something other than what I was. And it was because I was in a place of burnout. I was dreading going to my nine to five every day. I would wake up and get a headache before I actually got a headache to actually call in and say, it doesn't, I don't want to come today. I am not going to come today. And what I found was I was being an ineffective worker, 
right? And, and I own that. I, I know that that's part of my story is that I got to a place of burnout where I was no longer following my passion, following my values and on mission for me as a person. So when I got to that place, I realized I don't need to be here anymore. And not only do I not need to be here anymore, I don't need to be here in a major way because no one is benefiting from this. And at that point, I was working in the federal government. So as a civil servant, as a servant leader, it's important that our tax dollars are used wisely. And when there's someone in their seat in the federal government who is burnt out, who is not being effective, that is not an effective use of tax dollars. And I'll be the first civil servant to tell you this happens all the time because the federal government is very extremely oppressive, right? As a system, as an employer, the same way schools are and prisons are and all these other places that are systems, right? So part of the key to this is that we have to have people who are passionate, who are willing to change systems. And I've done this work on systems for a long time. And I said, you know what? I don't need to be doing it this way. And I don't want to do it this way. So let me find another organization that is a system, but it is working in the way I want to work, right? So this was my answer for the burnout was, let me get another job. So I spent a month on LinkedIn. This was in 2019, December of 2019. I took two weeks of vacation because that was the max that they would allow us to, to take. Even though we had three to four weeks, we could only take two weeks, right? So I got my two weeks. I went and sat in my living room on my computer and I looked on every single job I could find on LinkedIn that I was qualified for. And lo and behold, there was something in Houston that was a promotion because it was a director C-suite level position. And it would have moved me from right from um, just below middle management in a leadership position to upper management, right? So it's a great opportunity, something I was really excited about. On top of that, midway through when I was um, looking at this application, I realized that one of my best friends who I've actually worked in the government with for a long time, she worked there. And so I felt comfortable with that, with that agency and that organization. So I met the director and I went um, you know, on an interview with the person and I moved over to Houston and I took this job and it was in public health. And you all know that a month later in uh, January, we started hearing about the pandemic and I went, oh no, I just took a job in public health and there potentially is a pandemic. Before I could get my butt to Houston, before I could pack my house and rent it out, they were calling me, telling me, you need to get down here. There is a pandemic. You do not understand. You are, you are our policy director. We need policy on pandemic and we don't have it. Come and do this right now. And I unfortunately, you know, had to, to go and do what they needed me to do. And I quickly, while the country was closing down, I drove across the nation the week that we shut everything down. And I show up in Houston and guys, I couldn't even buy plates because all the stores were closed. I bought plates six weeks after getting to Houston. So I take this job, I work my tail off, I end up in an organization that was not better than the oppressive system I came from. It was another further oppressive system with a whole different set of politics in Texas, right? Which we know that is <laughs> definitely Texas and the word politics, is, it brings some sort of feelings. So when I got there, I was really surprised that this was a promotion, but it was a demotion in the way that it made me feel. 
because I actually went backwards in how burnt out I was. I became more burnt out and I was already at a stage of burnout that I didn't think was possible. So when I got to an even further stage, I knew that something needed to be done. And in that leadership group, um, grace, grace and um, you know, expertise were there. There was a lot of um, camaraderie and, and people enjoyed working together. But the organization had been run so poorly for so many years that no matter what leadership would do, it was going to take a lot of effort to turn that around. And what ended up happening was in the middle of the pandemic, our leader left. He took another promotion in another part of the country. And we had a new leader come in who was literally instructed to get rid of all of the leadership. So while I had only been there for a year, I show up to work one Wednesday and my complete department is in a meeting and I'm supposed to be in that meeting. And instead I'm called into HR and said, my department told my department is um, eliminated. My position is eliminated and I no longer have a job. Right. So when I showed up in that meeting and this is part of a book that I recently um, have been, have been part of the co-authors that released a book about healing. And I talk about this experience because I want people to understand that Losing your job is not the boogeyman, right? Losing your job does not have to be the worst thing that happens to you in your life. Although a lot of us hold on to our nine to five because we think that it's the worst thing that could possibly happen in our life, but it's really not, right? So I go into this conversation with HR and I hear you know, about my department being eliminated and I just say, okay, you know, there's, there's something here that I don't feel right about not only this situation, but I don't feel right about going into another job in this state of burnout, right? I was so low that I was not going to be of any use to anyone learning a whole new organization, a whole new set of skills, and trying to find a C-suite job to replace the one I'm leaving, right? So it's very difficult in social services to get to that level, particularly for a woman of color. So this was all types of things that were going through my head at the moment that this happened. And HR, um, the director asked me, he said, hey, what are you going to do now? Like, now what? Now what are you going to do? And it was this flippant, cocky remark that just blew me over the edge. And I looked straight at him and I said, well, you know, I've had my own business for several years. It's been neglected. And I'm going to go do that. I'm going to spend all of my energy building my business, believing in myself and making sure that I am successful in what I am doing. Because when I am successful, my mission is actually to help others help others. So when they are successful, we are changing the world collectively. And that is what I want. I want the freedom to work with the people who inspire me, who espouse my values, who are in the same level of vibration that I am in. And so as I made that, that commitment to myself, I literally walked out of that room, went home, made a live on Instagram and said, I am in business. <laughs> I am now a business. I don't, I will go handle the paperwork later. I am in business. And that was it. That's the story. And, you know, it's a year later. Um, I'm still in business. I'm still here in Clubhouse growing and, and learning and getting clients and, and hanging with the right people and doing all the things and building a podcast and, you know, doing everything that I can to keep this business alive. But what I wanted to say today is that even though my business is built on helping people, I'm not afraid to have stepped away from a C-suite career 
to invest in helping other people. Because a lot of folks who are used to working in, um, and yes, Eric, very much, boom, I'm in business. It was it was exactly like that. Um, and, I, and I would love for you guys to read this chapter. It's in the book called Sister Armor, which is on Amazon right now. And so when I'm doing this work and when I'm working with the people who inspire me, who have my values, the transformations that I see in these people, it's not only them transforming themselves and me supporting their well-being, but it's them transforming other lives and other communities and other places around the world. And I've been able to work with people in multiple countries and multiple places um, within different countries as well. And, and it's always amazing to me how much um, inspiration you get from the international work. And that is something that I love doing. I love connecting with people who are working internationally. So this business has brought me so many passions, my passion to travel, my passion for wellness, my passion for my own career. It's brought it all together. And now a year later, I can see how all of those passions together, like we were talking about earlier, following your passion in a room we did earlier today, all of those passions together are my business model. That's exactly what I work on with people. And so that's what I wanted to share today. I love the love in the room. I am so excited to meet all of you guys. Please follow all of the mods. Please be part of the club. Please come back to our conversations because these are meaningful conversations that we need to be having. So I wanted to go to um, TCE or Tilt Your Teacup. I'm not sure how you say it, but um, please feel free to correct me. And thank you for coming and for your support in the chat. Oh, hello, Wendy. My name's uh, Tahaya, but everyone calls me T because I'm sweet. Uh, the T say is kind of like my artist name. I have a lot of acronyms, a lot of different names. But uh, one I wanted to say, thank you for sharing your story. It really, really helped because of just the mindset that I was in. It helped. I'm ba I basically went through the same thing. Um, I had lost my job because of COVID, and it's just more so the circumstance I've been in. It's it's different. I am someone that has always gone and had two, three, four jobs at once. And I was getting burnout. I was getting tired. I was getting depressed. I was waking up and I'm angry. The first thing I was doing is waking up angry. And I'm a spiritualist. I'm not the type of person to be angry at all. I like to meditate. I like to hang out with my cats and I like to read books. So one day I went into work and I had got COVID. I came back and they had let me go. When I came back, they let me go the very next day. So it was like, I literally had to jump into business. Um, my business is Tilt Your Teacup and it is kind of a social issue. I want to get people to where they don't have to decide if they want to be mentally okay or if they want to be financially okay or if they want to just be spiritually okay. I want people to understand that all of those things play a vital role in being a successful entrepreneur, being a successful artist, being just successful in any business. I know that everybody doesn't have a desire to be a millionaire or sit here and live in a cottage in the woods. I want to be able to give people the option to live how they want to live. But it's just I also have to make a profit. And it's I'm having trouble figuring out how to get my social issue to help my life issue, you know? Oh, yes. <laughs> and I think that this is the, um, 
the myth about social entrepreneurship is that we don't want money or we don't need money to thrive. But if you've worked in any social services or any nonprofit setting, you know that you need money to do the work. Money is an energy exchange and it needs to come in in order for you to put the energy out, right? And so there's absolutely ways that you can bring your passion together to serve others and a profit and also find a way to give back, right? So maybe there's products or ways that we get money in our business, but we use that money to give back through a completely different but related mission, right? So think about it. Um, one that's related and it's a really simple, um, simple example is Tom's shoes. I give this example all the time. We know that when we invest in that company and we purchase a pair of shoes, they are going to give a certain number of shoes away to people who need them, right? And so we think of it almost as a one for one, but it doesn't always end up that way. So you can find ways to make a profit and then with your social impact mission, still do the work of serving. So you don't always have to serve directly through your services you're offering to your clients. So there's a lot of different ways to build your venture and you just have to explore what's gonna be the most um, lucrative to help you thrive and to help you continue to do the work and be in a space of wellness, but then also to serve the other folks in the mission that you have chosen as part of your business or your nonprofit. So I'd love to check in with you, T. I will definitely be reaching out to you so we can find a time. I do have um, some 15-minute consultation spaces that I offer to people. So if you are interested in that, um, you just get in my DMs and we'll talk. I'm very much interested. I'm very much interested. Um, I had another question. Um, I'm pretty sure when it came down to starting your business, you started it by yourself. How did you juggle having to wear so many hats? Because my business offers a lot. It's kind of like an umbrella. And it's just more so, how did, how did you do that without losing your mind? <laughs> I was, it's funny. I was trying to explain this to Alessandra the other day. I was early on, I think in 20. 22, I was when we first got replaced, trying to figure out how to create content in a streamlined fashion that was not going to invade on my ability to be my own CFO and my own curriculum writer and my own videographer, right? So I am still definitely a solopreneur who's doing all the things with all of the hats. And what I found is I like to repurpose my content and find a, um, a streamlined way to grow my online presence and my reach as part of the process of serving others. So part of my process, and I know Alessandro's um, course in, uh, in Clubhouse, Mary's beautiful with this, is getting folks in these conversations, having the replay from the conversation, having a rich discussion, and then moving that out to other places where people can benefit from it. So whether that's moving it to a podcast or moving it to um, you know, small bits of the conversation into video, into Instagram, there's so many things that I've done with this strategy that has helped with my marketing, helped me bring my reach together, but also helped keep my sanity and my focus on what I'm doing. Because I use it as part of a keyword strategy as well for my blog. I get blog posts out of it. I get all these things. So I think the message in that is you have to find the system that works for you in order for you to do the things, but also know that your business doesn't need to provide all the things, right? Because just like I was saying, I can lean on someone like Alessandra who has a complimentary product to say, oh, before you get to my product where I'm talking about this, this other thing is really cool. You might want to check it out. And then being able to build with these other people who provide those complimentary services. So always thinking about, you know, do I need to provide all these services? 
services, is, is that really the vehicle to serve the need that's in front of me? Or um, am I just doing too much and need to maybe, you know, contract with some folks in order for them to do things for me? And that's really where I'm getting to now. You know, now I don't even edit my own podcasts. I take these Clubhouse replays, send them over to my editor, and he does it for me. And so there's only a couple times where I've had in the last couple months to edit them myself. So there's a lot of options of how you can try to do um, a lot, but don't ever try to do everything. Right. That's 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 how we end up burnt out as entrepreneurs. And then we're not in our nine to five and we're still burnt out. So I don't know if that helps to you. Um, no, it definitely helps. Um, I've been listening to Alessandro uh, a lot lately, especially when it comes down to creating content. He uh, he said something about uh, sitting down one day and just making a, a month's worth of content. And boy, has that helped. <laughs> So um, I believe that's all the questions that I have now. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have more later on. But I really want to thank you guys for just taking the time out to even be on this platform and talking to entrepreneurs like us because, boy, was I, boy, did I need help. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> me too. Me too. Alessandra, what's going on? Yeah, I wanted to add a simple thing for everyone who may listen uh, right now, who are interested about content, about creating content and ending up in that never ending cycle of creating content because you have to find new traffic. You know, the secret of getting traffic and getting attention to your business and brand is to find communities that are already created with a lot of people who can become your ideal audience. So instead of spending a lot of time on social media and on platform, creating content every day and trying to come out with new content. It's way easier and way wiser to find communities where you can talk and you can find your audience. Like what we're doing right now on Clubhouse, like what you're doing, Wendy, is exactly this. You find my club, there are 7,000 members in it. You create content inside this club, you give value and you get an audience. So you don't have to go on your profile on Facebook or on TikTok or on Instagram and you create content and you and hopefully someone will uh, will read it or will watch the content. Instead, try to find communities around you. And there are communities everywhere. Actually, if you start looking at the web like a container of communities, you understand how it works because it's all organized in communities. It's all organized in communities. Here on Clubhouse, there are clubs you can use to host your rooms and to talk to your ideal audience. If you get on Facebook, there are groups on Facebook, for example. If you find a podcast that can host you, that can uh, interview you and you can talk there, you can talk to the audience that this podcaster created and you can get access to them. I, I learned that when I did my first, I, you know, I spent a long time doing webinars and trying to grow the audience for this webinar, growing my email list and promoting my webinars on Facebook and spending a lot of money with that. And then one day I hosted a webinar in, I'm not going to say the name, but I hosted a webinar for this big marketer. He was looking for someone who was creating content. And I hosted this webinar about getting clients on his platform. He already has a big audience. I hosted this webinar. On a Saturday morning, there were more than 100 people there. I didn't do anything to grow together this community. I didn't do to get. I didn't do anything with ads or with content to get a lot of people on my on my webinar. I just did a webinar for someone else's audience. And in that webinar, I got results that I didn't get for two years trying to do webinars by myself. So it's always better to look for communities out there and then ask 
the person or creator or the people who created those communities if you can create content and add value to their communities. This is the way to get a lot of attraction, to, to get a lot of traction, to get a lot of visi visibility, to get a lot of traffic for your content. This is what you should do. This is what, why we use Clubhouse, because Clubhouse gives you the chance to host your rooms in external clubs that are already big, so you don't have to grow your audience and talk to them. You can already have a big audience, you just need to have the possibility to talk to this audience. So that's just something that I wanted to put there in case someone is wondering how to get visibility online. Back to you, Wendy. Yes, I mean, Alessandra, you always have so much, such clear advice. I love it. So Amanda, I wanted to welcome you to the stage and to the conversation. Did you have anything to share or a question that you wanted to ask? Hi, yes. Um, thanks for the opportunity to join the stage. So. I guess for me, just one thing to add is I'm sort of in the middle of this myself. I kind of got to the, I don't want to say the top peak, but a peak in my career. And so I, I was making good money, things like that. I kind of achieved my goals. And so I decided I wanted to get out of the corporate life. And so I started switching gears, started doing projects and consulting on the side to try to basically, instead of me working for a company and that kind of being my claim to fame, kind of become my own entity and a subject matter expert in my field that I could do other projects without sort of having that corporate lifestyle. And within doing that, um, the room was attractive to me as well because of the nine to five, basically leaving that to help people. So a lot of what I'm doing is um, mentoring others. I'm creating a course within my field, which is um, big data and AI, things like that, and looking to possibly, this is to be continued, I'm, I'm speaking with the lab right now, but maybe going into research and things like that, which is a major pay cut for me, um, leaving the corporate lifestyle and going into like the educational space and doing these consulting and things on my own right now. It's going to be a huge um, lifestyle change for me, but it's kind of like what I need to do to start going in that direction of kind of being my own boss. And the thing is, I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. I actually have a small business on the side I've been running for seven years. So I'm not a stranger to doing this, but I specifically chose not to do it because for me, it was just easier to just work for a company, have my benefits, collect a paycheck and kind of go home and forget about it, not, not do the actual hard work. Um, so now I'm kind of in that. So, so that's where I'm at. That's why I love this room because I, I, I wanted to surround myself with other individuals who are kind of doing something similar, the same thing. And, and, you know, hear you know, what they're doing and how they're navigating through, because again, this is something that I kind of decided to do pretty much within the past year. And I, I really started making big moves with that. So right now I'm like, overworked because I'm doing like a corporate job. I'm building a course. I'm going back to school for a PhD. I, I mean, I could sit here all day and tell you the things I'm doing right now. Um, but I actually just spoke at HBS about this because everybody else was like, how, how do you manage your time? Because this is crazy. <laughs> so it's not, so I'm definitely good on the time management part. It's just coming to the part when I start to not collect the big paycheck anymore and I have to kind of pull for scraps to survive. That's what I'm going to need to navigate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I'm so. sitting here and I'm, I'm like giggling <laughs> in my, you know, I, I appreciate where your question comes from because 
it comes from a space of golden handcuffs. And as a federal worker for a number of years and then going into my C-suite job, I definitely had the golden handcuffs. I had spent so much energy and time climbing the corporate ladder, doing what people you know, told me I needed to be doing, bending myself over backwards to serve others, landing myself in the hospital, you know, all of the things, the worst outcomes you could think of. And I can tell you for sure, for sure, it was not worth the money. Not at all one bit, because there are so many things that entrepreneurship has brought to my life that I would never have had the experience and opportunity to do. One of which is like, there's no amount of money that you could pay me to take that time away because I was able to provide hospice care for a month for my grandmother when she died in November. She passed away the month before in October. I dropped my business. I did nothing for a month. I went straight to California, didn't even answer emails. I didn't answer clients. I was like, I'm done. I can't do anything right now. I am literally helping my grandmother live. And then when she passed, I was, you know, came back to Houston. I was still located in Houston. And I picked my business right back up and I had several thousand dollars in clients the next month, right? That's something that I could not, um, oh, and sorry, thank you for pitching products. Um, yeah, please don't pitch products in the chat if you if you could avoid that, it would be great. Um, I could not have exchanged that piece of my life for any paycheck because the paycheck was just a, a vehicle to get, um, you know, enjoyment out of life, right? But when I needed to um, be present for my family, when I needed to be there, really, really be there, entrepreneurship gave me the, the gift that I never could have gotten from having a nine to five. And so when I think about, um, and I don't struggle economically, I think I've, I've done pretty well in the last year that I've, I'm not at the level I used to be, but I have been able to make ch choices and changes in my lifestyle to bring um, to bring it down and to scale it as appropriate for where my business is right now. And some of those choices that I had to make were very difficult, including relocating back to the DC area from Houston because of the fact that, um, you know, Houston's rent was just way too high and my cost of living in Maryland is actually lower. So there's a lot of um, choices I made throughout the way and a lot of sacrifices, but they weren't really sacrifices because of the the benefits that I got at the same time. So I don't know if that's helpful to you in terms of the mindset piece, but there are a ton of my podcast episodes that go through the mindset part of social entrepreneurship. And we talk about money mindset. We talk about manifestation tools. We talk about all those things because for social entrepreneurs, a lot of these skills and these tools have a slightly different meaning. We're serving and helping others and trying to make an impact and often breaking ourselves doing that. And when we're doing that, um, we're also expecting to make a living, as T said, and to, to support ourselves and those that we love, right? And so there's a lot of um, pressure to be successful and to do this successfully and to make that impact. And when you're working in that space, um, you know, sometimes it's difficult to feel like you're, you're achieving what you need to be achieving or that you can actually um, live that lifestyle that you want to live. And so that's why when I started doing my podcast, I really wanted to start with some of these episodes that talk about the mindset piece. And they talk about money mindset, particularly, because it is something that I think a lot of folks who come from um, two different sides of this conversation, one side, if you're coming from a nonprofit and service, social services sector, you might have made 
very little money. But if you come from like I did, the you know, are you private sector and supporting um, you know social change in a different way, the federal government? you might have actually made a lot of money and you're going down, right? So either you might be starting your business on pennies because you didn't make a lot, or you might be shifting your lifestyle down a lot because you made a lot and now you're not going to make as much, right? So there's a lot of different um, things to talk about there. And I'd love to schedule time if you need it um, to go further into detail. Yeah, thank you so much for that. That definitely is um, very helpful because, again, it, it, it's a lot of it is just literally a, a mindset change. Um, and, to, you know, pretty much pointing to everything you said, definitely relevant. So I, I really appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, it's just something, you know, it's a it's a tough decision to make, but I, I've kind of been going in that direction um, for a while now. So I think I'm ready to really just take the plunge here. Um, but yeah, thank it you. It sounds so much like you're ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it I sounds am. Like I've, been you're thinking, ready. I've been thinking for a while. It wasn't like I did, you know, thought about it overnight. And I think COVID was a push also. Working from home now for a couple years um, and not being in an office, I think also kind of helped me along this path as well. Absolutely. But I wanted to turn over to any of the other moderators and invite anyone onto the stage. Thank you, Amanda, for that question. And I think um, you know a lot of us have the, have these questions, but we don't have the spaces always to ask the questions. This was a super important episode for me to share because I wanted everyone to hear not only my story, but how others who are social entrepreneurs are also looking for the same answers about how do we thrive, how do we help others, and how do we really make a difference? And we can get together and teach each other what are the answers to these questions because I don't think there's any one answer or any right answer. So I hope you enjoyed. This is one of our last episodes for the season and we're getting ready to take a quick hiatus for a few months and we will be back with season two, Stories of Social Entrepreneurs, just like me who are changing the world.